Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is when taking a risk is safer is it, uh, is it when taking a risk is safer than the status quo? We're also, uh, of course, Christina's still away this week, so we're going to have a chat on uh, marketing tips for the quiet achiever. But right now, we're going to have a chat with uh, Danielle Robertson, who is a family business owner for over 32 years, and we're going to talk about some lessons from a family business. Good afternoon, Danielle. Hi, Julian. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. So so we were talking earlier about your business. How, how long have you worked in a family business? Oh, 32 years. Yeah. <laughs> August 1986, actually, I went into the family business at that the, my mum started. At in the 19, age of 19? I was 19. Yeah. So you can work out how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up in a family business family, actually. So my mum ran her own family business. So, well, it wasn't initially. It wasn't started as a family business. Initially, it was out of a need. It was a business that she started in 1967 mm. um, called Dial and Angel, and it helped people in the home and it helped people to remain at home for as long as possible or to have some family support. Mm. And, you know, mum was way ahead of her time. Uh, people didn't... Women didn't start businesses in 1967, let alone thinking about outsourcing businesses, which is quite common these days. Um, You know, I'm the third child of four kids, and I was actually six weeks old when mum started the business, uh, so I grew up in it, you know, every after school, before school, school holidays, I'd sit in the office and absorb this. And I was the child out of four of us that said, I will never work in this family business. And out of four of us, I spent 28 years in the business with mum um, until we sold the business in 2014. And then I started up another family business coming out of that as an aged care consultant. And, and uh, I help people navigate the aged care industry uh, and the disability care industry and, and handhold them through that difficult and complex process but so, yes it was great working in a family business so, and my kids are helping me now in my little family business well, well well that's the next question what was the hardest thing working with your mother what oh. passes <laughs> on to your kids <laughs> look i think it's a different generational it's a generational thing um you know i was very much into streamlining things processes and introducing things that i felt would improve the business um, and, and grow the business faster. Mum was quite happy with the organic growth. Um, and, you know, given the, the fact that she was a pharmacist by trade, so she had no business skills, but she, mm. she did exceptionally well in developing the business um, on her own until I came in when I was 19. Um, but, yeah, look, we did have some clashes from time to time, but you know what? We really did listen to each other, respect each other, and I think that's one of the key strengths that we actually had. There weren't too many mums and daughters in businesses. There's lots of fathers and sons and fathers and daughters in family businesses or husbands and wives, but there aren't too many mothers mm. and daughters. Mm. And that was a unique and individual situation. And, you know, when we were growing the business and, you know, mum was heading towards retirement in 2003, and we had to look for something that was going to help us to manage the process of succession and then eventually exit planning. And mm. we're going, where the devil do we go? And we did find an association that helps family businesses. And that it's been a godsend to us since 2001. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's lots of learnings from that. But working with well, mum was 
pretty good for 17 of the years, you know, as she and I worked very, very closely together until she retired. So and then she gave me the ability to run the business and make, you know, make mistakes and, and without interfering. And that's very, very unusual. So we what, uh, that, what yeah. lessons have you learned from that? The main lessons, I think, are to be to know when you don't know what you don't know um, mm. and to bring in experts that you can't possibly know everything about everything. Um, one of the biggest lessons I learned was bringing in external advisors to help us grow the business mm. um, even further before we sold it. Um, and I felt that that was essential. Mum was a great mentor to me and, you know, I, I think that was wonderful that she actually gave me the opportunity to, to make my own mistakes without interfering. If I went to her with a, an issue, I always had to come up with a solution as well um, because mm. she didn't want to keep providing me with solutions, otherwise I'd never learn. Um, but the guidance, the guidance and the, the gentle hand um, was, you know, something that I learned. And I think that any family business founder and owner and operator need to actually make that happen. If you're going to transition from one generation to the next, you need to allow them to make their mistakes, to grow the business. Um, so they're the main lessons. And okay. communication. Mm. Communication. It has, it's key. And to listen. You know, I think a lot of next-geners, that's the next generation down, want to change everything and, and you know, you know, and that's that's always a big problem because the founders going well. You know, why break it? Why change it if it ain't broke? You know, mm. or why why fix it if it ain't broke? Um, but with technology and the way business moves today, you really need to keep up on top of what's happening, and that can create problems between older generations and younger generations. So but moving moving on to your new business with uh, yes. with your children, how important yes. is it to you that your children understand the value of your business? Look, I think it's imperative. They've grown up in a family business. They grew up in Dial and Angel. You know, I mean, mm. my kids are 22 and 25 now, so they're not little kids. But they've been around a family business operation for, since they were born. My daughter came in two weeks after she was born into the office, so we had oh. that flexibility. But as a little tot, she understood the values of the family and how important it was to, to work in a family business and that culture and how different it is. And both my kids do work full-time, but they support me. My son's in design and marketing, so he helps me on that front for my business. My daughter's okay. a lawyer um, and in business development, and so she's, she's been help, able to help me on that side of the business. Mm. So it's imperative. And in fact, there's a conference, a Family Business Australia conference coming up in September. I'm bringing them to it. Okay. And I, I think that's absolutely imperative that they understand, particularly about the next generation um, mm and the education around that. Mm. And both of them are taking a week off their real full-time work to come to that. And I think that's something for their own personal and professional development. I think it's absolutely imperative that they know the difference between the corporate world and family business. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Daniel. Um, We'll have a chat with you again another time. Okay. Thanks so much for your time too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Daniel Robertson there, a family business owner, as you said, for 32 two years and still going strong with another one so uh, I think obviously uh, business is in some people's blood that's fantastic to see and especially with the support of her family marketing tips for quiet achievers I'm often at uh, conferences or uh, networking events and uh, notice there's always a few people that are hanging around in the corners there Um, and some of people have been talking to me and saying uh, 
you know, these uh, networking events or these uh, marketing events are often for rah-rah people, and, and I'm not like that. And uh, what can I do about it? And send me down a path of doing a little bit of uh, research into the subject. And you know that uh, something like 70% of uh, businesses, successful businesses, are being run by quiet achievers. I'd like to call them quiet achievers rather than introverts, but uh, that's what they are. They're introverts, quiet achievers. Um, And why and how can we be a good quiet achiever and still make a successful business? Well, it's really around harnessing our natural strengths as introverts. And if we look at a number of the natural strengths of an introvert, we see that they have a natural affinity for writing, that they are excellent researching skills, they have problem-solving skills, listening skills, they're creative, well-organised, building deep, genuine relationships on a one-on-one basis, understand importance of documentation, they're very punctual and generally good at time management. And when you look at all of those criteria, you think, well, they're very, very useful criteria to have in a business. They're they're fantastic qualities to have in a business. Um, So the first bit of advice to uh, a quiet achiever, particularly uh, for marketing point of view, is to embrace your introverted nature. Understand that you have these very strong strengths and play to those strengths instead of trying to be an extroverted type person. For example, Asking questions and listening to your customers is fantastic quality for a salesperson. Uh, A lot of salespeople who are a little bit extroverted tend to do all the talking. But really, if you're going to resolve people's uh, problems, people's challenges, you've really got to listen and understand what those challenges are and keep asking questions to uh, find out what they are. In fact, in the book... uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People. There's a fantastic story about Dale Carnegie. And one uh, evening he's at a, a function, um, at a, a dinner, and he's seated next to someone who'd just come back from Africa. And he asked this person a question, and they talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And then he asked them a second question, and they talked and talked and talked and talked. And at the end of the evening, the... Uh, a person that had come back from Africa went up to the host of the dinner party and said, gee, that Dale Carnegie is a fantastic conversationalist. And all he'd done was ask two questions and listen. So that's great skills that we as uh, introverted people, or let's call ourselves quiet achievers, can certainly do. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we don't have to go to some of these networking functions because it's certainly a place where you can do and learn business. So it's important probably to go to some structured networking events. And one of the uh, bits of advice is to volunteer at those uh, events. Become Be the person on the, the front desk, for example. You get to meet everybody. You don't have to think up questions and, and talk about uh, businesses to people because you're just taking their names and it's a great way of getting to know people and then looking and saying well I need to go and talk to that person and that person afterwards so there's a couple of bits of advice there and 
When I went to networking functions many years ago, I used to find myself going around talking to everybody. I got tired, I got exhausted, and I felt very out of place sometimes. In recent years, I've found that it's important to recharge. As introverted people, we need to recharge. So you will often find me, particularly at conferences, slipping away at lunchtime, doing a little bit on the computer, maybe uh, playing a couple of games on, on my iPad, um, and not really getting there networking because I need to rebuild uh, that energy that is important. So we do have to take to uh, come out of our comfort zone sometimes. In fact, that was the best bit of advice I ever received, and I'd pass it on to you today. Break a comfort zone every day. Feel a little bit comfortable, uncomfortable every day, and you'll soon learn to build your comfort zone a little bit greater. So those are some, some tips. Embrace your your introverted nature. Be your quiet achiever and you can be like so many of those successful businesses. So you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. We've got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is when taking a risk is safer than status quo. Most of us consider ourselves to be risk adverse. But what we consider safe behaviour often contains much more uncertainty than we suspect. That's because safety generally involves consistency of a condition, whether that's job security, a stable marriage or the value of currency. The challenge is that there are few environments that remain static. Safe investments like gold could lose value. You could be fired from your safe job and you could and yet we behave as if the current state will persist in perpetuality. While no one can predict the future, there are few tactics that you can use to get better at evaluating risk. Before you make a decision, do your research on the potential avenues of action. Ask credible experts to weigh in, and don't forget to evaluate the inherent risk of doing nothing. Sometimes the status quo is actually actually riskier than taking a leap into the unknown. Some good advice, and we're certainly seeing a little bit of uncertainty around the political scene at the moment, aren't we? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at some lessons from a family business with uh, Danielle Robertson, who's many years' experience in running businesses, in fact, probably from six months old. And uh, some little marketing tips there for the quiet achiever. Remember to break that comfort zone every day. In a moment, Sarah Farley-Adams will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, Christina will be back from the States, so she's going to have a full bottle on lots of valuable information for us for on innovation. So we'll have a chat with her and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting week. And as Walt Disney once said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.